say a couple things. The way I teach is a little different. Before I go any further, let me tell you a little bit about myself. I'm a bit of a worrier. I don't know. Anybody out here worry? How many of you worry? Seriously, worry. Don't, don't even lie. Listen, everybody raise your hand. You worry about something. Some of you, if you get ketchup on your shirt, you're going to worry. But someone just thinks you look sloppy, so don't even lie. You worry. I had one little bit of a, a, a stream that would not, that I had to stop at the gas station, buy some clippers, and cut that off because I thought y'all would think I was nasty. I worry. Anybody a good worrier? Anybody spiritual gifts worry? Anybody's worry have worries? How many of you, when you don't worry about something, you're creating something to worry? Come on, will somebody testify with a brother? We're worried. I doubt. How many of you, how many of you, someone can tell you something good and your first response is, uh-uh. I just won the lottery, uh-uh. And I'm going to give you half of it, uh-uh. But we worry, we doubt, we're a culture of worry. We worry if things are going to happen. We worry if things aren't going to happen. We worry if we'll make it tomorrow. We, if we doubt, we, listen, can I just tell you something? I never doubt the, the, the reality and existence of God. I believe God is God and He's real. I never doubt it. But boy, I do doubt whether He'll actually do what He said He'll do. I mean, I'll miss that. I doubt it. And, and even go even more, I'll even doubt whether He'll do it for me. Oh, He'll bless you, but He doesn't want to do this for me. I just, man, sometimes live in this world like I'm poverty. Man, God wants me to be poor. He wants me to be good. And, and, and we just doubt. We, we, we doubt. We just, we just doubt. And so, I just have a tendency to let you know that I come from a long line of, of worriers and doubters, and I have spiritual gifts of doubt. My doubt has a spiritual gift of worry, and my spiritual gift of worry has, if I don't watch it, it will cause me to not trust God, the creator of heaven and earth, and better yet, my Father. You know what the Bible says, that God hasn't given you a spirit of fear, but a power, because He wants you to understand that you're not an orphan. You have a Father. You're not left alone and abandoned. Let's get into the message now. So now we see Thomas is in the room, and he's called a twin. And I wonder why in the world would you say, I mean, you don't read the Bible this way, but I always wonder why they put that there. Why does it let us know when you hear about Thomas that he's a twin? It doesn't ever introduce his twin. You never know who his twin is. You don't know if they're like identical twins or they're like fraternal twins. I mean, we just know he's a twin. And here's my theory on this thing. The reason that we never know who he, his twin is, because maybe his twin's face doesn't look like him, but it looks more like me. Maybe I am the twin of Thomas, and I'm the dude doubting, and I'm the dude wondering whether or not Jesus is really going to do and, and is and, and has done what he said he would do. And so maybe this morning, if you look into the mirror, you look a lot like Thomas. A bunch of doubters. We've drawn lines in the sand. And so we see here, follow with me, but Thomas, and I love the buts in the Bible. One day I will preach a message I like the buts. Um, but, uh, but, but Thomas, the twin, who was uh, one of the twelve, he was a committed follower of Jesus. Early on in the Gospel of John, we see Thomas is the one who said, hey, let's go out with Jesus and I'll die with him. He's not a chicken. Some people would say, well, Thomas was afraid he was hiding out. We don't know where Thomas was. We don't know what he had been doing. We don't know why he wasn't present when Jesus came and appeared to the disciples. But all we know, that he wasn't there, and now he's now he's here. And so he's sitting there, and he's wondering, 
one of the twelve. He's not only one of the twelve, but he was a bold follower of Jesus, willing to die for Jesus, willing to stand beside Jesus. And now he is here in this room. He wasn't there before the Bible says. He was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples were telling him, look what they told him. We've seen the, and three of you got that. We've seen the, we've seen the Lord. So now Thomas is in the room, and he's one of the twelve. And his boys now, his cohorts, his, his partners in mission, been walking with Jesus, now are telling him, eyewitness testimony, we've seen the Lord. You know, it's amazing to me when doubt comes and infiltrates our lives, if we don't watch it, we can know the truth and still not believe it. So what we do is we just go around with this, uh-uh. But I know the Lord can take care of your issue. Uh-uh. I know the Lord is wanting to answer your prayer. Uh-uh. God wants to make himself real to you. Uh-uh. And it doesn't matter. Hey, God did this for me, and I know he promised to do it for you. God hasn't given you the spirit of fear. I'm not afraid anymore. God set me free from fear. And you're sitting here going, but you don't understand my circumstance. You don't understand what I've been through. I want you to understand something. The Bible says it's by the blood of the Lamb and the word of the testimony. So Thomas is hearing the testimony of the others. A lot of times we doubt even if we know the testimony we hear is the true testimony. But, I love the but, he said to them, if I don't see, if I don't see the marks of the nails in his hands and put my finger in the marks of the nails and put my hand into his side, don't miss this. Man, you've got to start thinking about God. Here. I mean, ah. He said, I will never believe. Some of you already have drawn a line in the sand. You were never meant to draw in the sand. And you decided you were going to take a stand on something. And no one would change your mind. And you forgot you are in the presence of a supernatural power from God. Thomas decided in his doubt, he was just going to say, I'm not going to believe unless I see it. So now we got stipulations on you, God. If you don't prove it, I ain't going to believe it. That's the way I think it is, brother. And you came in here today and you forced yourself to come here. You've been in the throes of discouragement and depression. You stopped trusting the one who parted waters in the dangerous moments of, 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 of attack. You stopped trusting the one who was buried and rose by his own power. By the way, the Bible tells us the same power that rose Jesus from the grave lives in us. We stopped and stopped and started doubting. And it's caused us, before we know it, to take our foot and draw a line and say, I will not cross from this place if he doesn't prove it to me. I want you to know something this morning. God doesn't owe you anything. God's already proven everything to you. So we draw a line in the sand. Thomas just drew a line in the sand. Look, I want you to know something. Almost in frustration. Almost like, would you hush? If, if I don't see it for myself, I'm never going to believe it. But I bet you... John probably went, ah. Peter, we don't know what he said because he always opened his mouth first. He might have told him off. Listen, you are out of your mind. Let's get on in here. Verse 26, a week later. Well, that don't catch anybody else, does it? It catches me like, why now a week? 
Like, why didn't Jesus just show back up right then? Why didn't he just come right back in the room right that moment? Right in that moment, why didn't he come? He already done it once. He knows to do it again. Why didn't he know he's about to do it again? Why didn't he do it at that moment? Because sometimes God wants you to stew in the mess so you don't understand that he's God. Are you with me today? I came here to see the priest set me free. A week later, and I want you to understand something. God never gets angry. Jesus never gets angry with Thomas. Jesus is very patient with Thomas, but Jesus wants Thomas to know, I will respond. You'll get you. It's, it's time. You'll understand that I'm faithful. I'll be there. I'll respond. And so a week later, one week, we don't know why it took a week. We don't understand why it took a week. All I know is this. God never promised he will deliver you in a minute, but God did promise he will bring deliverance to your life. A week later... I could preach right there for a while, because some of you have been waiting for a week, and you think God's just forgot about you. What you don't remember is God's more mad about you than he is forgot about you. He just wants you to learn something, and it's impossible. We're sucks in a self right now. I need it right this moment. Culture, I want you to understand something. Not, nowhere in Scripture does he promise he'll come in your time. Sometimes he comes in the nick of time. And so we see a week later, even though the door... How do we know, I'm speculating, how do we know Thomas didn't have a hip lock? How do we know that in the right order, Thomas is like, hey boys, I got it, hold on. And then they start this shenanigan of, you saw Jesus, Thomas, you got to believe what, listen, unless I. Thomas was comfortable because he had the key in his pocket. He knew the door was locked and he was okay. Some of you like wallowing in your locked room of doubt and worry. You want to just wallow there. And you, you listen all along. You got a key in your pocket. You can unlock the door. But instead, it would be better to stay inside, cover your head, and rock in the corner like there's no hope for you with the key in your pocket the whole time. I don't know what's going on in his pocket. I'm just wondering if he's somebody. Like somebody had. Like back then, I know they didn't have like a Kaiser deadbolt that they could lock in. Somehow there was a door that was locked. There was somebody that locked the door. But I love what Jesus does right here. Stay with me until we get into the message today. A week later, Thomas was with them. Even though the door was locked, look at the wonder of Jesus. Jesus came in and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. I love this, this scenario. Don't miss what is here today, and his desire is not to speak to one person in the room, but to speak to everybody in the room today. You're not just, okay, I'm not dealing with this, and so I'll omit it. No, no, no. Jesus spoke to everyone and said, peace be with you. He didn't deal with everybody's personal issue at that moment, but he talked to everybody, did he? That's Jesus. He doesn't care if your door is locked. As a matter of fact, he likes it better when your door is locked, because now you can see his wonder. See the glory and the power of God. Listen, we don't serve a weak master. He walks through locked doors, parts, big, deep waters. He 
a waymaker, a king, a, a master, a lord, a savior, a redeemer. He doesn't care you got the key in your pocket. He'll even say, keep it. I don't need it. Listen, I want you to know something this morning. He's busted up in here, though. Some of y'all came in here and said, I ain't going to sing that song. I ain't singing that song about he's going to break through. I ain't breaking nothing. Here, you listen, 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 listen. Listen, what really needs to happen is before he breaks through, he needs to break you. Because when he breaks you, I told somebody today, I, I, I've been all over the world, just got back from the Dominican. I love missions. And somebody asked me, I was in a, a vacation, and this lady asked me, she said, have you noticed that people in a, in a foreign context are different than a church in America? And I said, yeah, because here's the deal. It's wild what desperation does to people. But when we live in the land of the free and the home of the brave, and we've got everything covered for us, we can stop at any place and get anything we need taken care of. We have a tendency to live on our strength and not his strength. And so we can easily live our life locked in our world, living our agenda, and not realize how much we need peace. Listen, God is talking about this all the time. But I'm here to tell you, he needed Jesus. So he needed to say, wow, this is a, you're a hopeless mess and a mess of a person. Just trying to encourage you. Tell our church all the time we're all a bunch of hot messes in here. Look at your neighbor and say you're a mess. Some of y'all been waiting to tell your neighbor that for life for most of you. Don't say it with like authority, ladies. You're a mess. Look at your other neighbor that you don't like as much and say you're a mess too. See, they, some of y'all like that. Listen, Pastor, he hates me. Then he, now listen, 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 let's go back. Jesus came and stood among them. Then, let me say then, and said, peace be with you. Then he said to, come on, then he said to, didn't say, hey, Thomas, how you doing? Didn't say that. Nowhere in this passage do we see that the disciples even found Jesus because he could have found him. They didn't know where he was. Jesus bounced around many times. Just playing pop in, pop out. No one, there's no record that he had a rhythm of where he showed up to meet the people. And all of a sudden, now Thomas is standing in front of Jesus. He talked to him and then he talked to him. You see, God not only came to speak to everybody today, but I believe God came to speak to you today. And he didn't get any small talk, chit chat. He just said, Hey, Thomas, touch me. Why? Because he knew that Thomas's greatest need was proof that he was the greatest king in the world. So, Thomas, you got to get home, man. I'll be here till yeah, you barbecue for dinner. Um, and Thomas responded. He said, Thomas, reach out your hand and put it into my side. Don't be faithless, but believe. He wasn't upset that he didn't have faith. He was more upset that he didn't believe. Thomas responded to him, my Lord and my God. Exclamation point. So he said it like this, my Lord, my God. Because you have seen me, it wasn't because you touched me, Thomas. Listen, you touched me. That's what you thought you need. It was that you touched me. You thought that if you touched me, you would be 
be okay. You'd be set free. But what you didn't really need to understand or what you didn't understand is you didn't need to touch me. You just needed to see me. Because it's looking at me. It's in my presence. It's, it's gazing into my eyes where freedom comes from. It's not about you touching me. It's more about me touching you. And you've seen me. And he says, man, I want you to understand something, Thomas. Thomas, because you have seen me, you believe. But blessed are those who have not seen me and yet believe. And then verse 30, this little, little last two verses sort of sticks out here for a purpose. Once because that Jesus performed many other signs in their presence of his disciples that are not written in this book. So there were miracles that happened at this moment in time that we'll never know about. But these are written so that you will believe that Jesus is the Messiah. You know why people tell people to read when they get coming across? You know, they say, go read the Gospel of John, just fly right here. That's all it is. We read it because we understand that the Gospel of John is written so that we'll believe that Jesus is the Messiah and the Son of God, and that by, by believing, don't miss this, you may have life in His name. Some of you this morning came in here looking alive, but you're really dead. Because you may have a knowledge of God, you may have an understanding of God, but you don't have a relationship with God. And I want you to understand something. If you're here today and you think, well, man, I get it. I don't want to... I want to receive Jesus so I don't go to hell. You've missed it because it's not about you going to hell. It's about you being restored back into a relationship with the King of Glory. It's about you being restored back into a relationship that was broken by a curse of sin. And you need to be restored back to Him because you can understand after living a while that your life doesn't make sense outside of relationship with Him. That's why you don't have hope. You don't have peace. That's why you doubt. That's why you worry. Because you need to be restored back to relationship with God. And the only way you can do that is looking and seeing and gazing and believing in the one who died, was buried, and rose again. That's it. So I doubt a lot. And I've decided this, but I doubt sometimes that God is. That he lives. Well, he, there are three things I've learned in my seasons of doubt. Of course, Jerry will be here in today. I don't even know what time I'm trusting God in, but I'll just, I'll just get there. Um, and here, here's, here's, here's number one. Number one is this. There's a problem with doubt. It's a problem when we doubt. Very big problem when we doubt. And here's the problem. When Thomas, this twin, who a lot of times is my twin, uh, got to the room, he wasn't there before, and then when he heard the testimony, he just made his mind up, I will never believe. I'll never believe. I want you to understand what doubt does to you. Doubt will cause you to forget who you are. I just want to remind you, listen, I had a guy one time tell me, the guy that I was going to counsel, and he said, I hate when I hear guys say, if you get out of line as a brother, I'm going to get in your eye, and I'm going to really just wrangle you back into shape. I'm going to wrangle you back into shape. I'm not here to wrangle you into shape today because I don't have the power to do that. But here's what I do want to do today. I want to remind you who you are today. That's what I want to do. I want to remind you that if you know God, you're a son and daughter of the King today. And you are loved. You were bought with a price. I want to remind you of who you are. You're not on an island by yourself. You're a part of a family. Who are you? Make it so simple for you this morning. Make it so simple for us to say to God, if you know Jesus, who's your daddy?
listen, I, I don't know, man. Sometimes we have to be reminded because we've drawn these lines in the sand and we've already made our mind up. He's not going to. Listen, how did you know? Unless he said no, you just need to realize that he's at work. You know the one thing I love about God? He never stops being God. Today, he never stops being God. Tonight when you're sleeping, he's still being God. He'll still be doing his God thing. He'll still be, man, working and moving all over the place. And by the way, the enemy doesn't want to be in one place at one time. God can be everywhere all the time. Who are you? We need to remind you who you are. You need to stick your chest out, throw your head up, and understand that you're not defeated. You're victorious today. You're overcomers today. We've been bought with a price. The blood of Jesus has set me free from my sin. Who are you? What happens when we doubt is we forget it affects who we are. As a matter of fact, when we doubt, it affects what we know. Just like my son, 16 years old, he was so sideways. Listen, he used to spend all his money on shoes. My kid is a style freak. He will pay $200 for a set of Jordans and only wear them one time and make sure. And I, like I told him, I said, son, these shoes are solid white. We live in a dirty, filthy, snowy place. Why don't you get some like Carhartt boots or something instead of these Jordans? And you don't just, but now, no more Jordans. It's all about Bailey. Isn't it funny how we get into a place and we don't watch it, man? Listen, can I just remind you, you've got 66 books in your hands that tell you about the victorious, powerful, mighty person of God. You know why that a lot of us feel so insecure today? Because we're looking for everything else for insecurity, but we don't realize that the only thing that will ever bring us security is God's Word. It's the most unused thing outside of prayer in all of our Christian faith. We don't, we don't, we don't study the Word. You know what I bet you half of us don't do anymore? It's just memorize scriptures. David said in Psalms 119.11, well, Lord, how can, I, how can this young man keep his way pure? And he said, by hiding God's word in your heart. And if you hide God's word in your heart, you might not fall into sin. But boy, we want to be on fire for Jesus, but we don't want to get the word. You know what the Bible says? If I remain in you and you remain in me, you'll bear much fruit. You know how God remains in us today? It's not because we've been uh, said a prayer and now we got the Holy Spirit and we're okay. Because we're in His Word every day, eating and nourishing and filling our lives. And security comes and, and words from God come and confidence comes and promises comes and truth comes. And then when storms come, we can just wrap ourselves in His Word because it's His truth that sets us free. Don't forget what you know. I went to a camp this week. I go with my family every year to a Word of Life camp pastor who was teaching on the back of his phone had all this stuff on it. He said, you know the most wasted spot on all the phone? He says, it's right here. And he has covered it with scriptures that he's memorizing. You know why he did that? Because he understood that the, that the most important thing we can look at every day is not the stuff that happens on this side, but the stuff that happens on this side. Because it's when we live with the word-filled life that we are reminded of whose we are and what we have and the power that we possess. And then where we're going, the purpose of our life is God's word. You want to be set free from fear, worry, and confusion, struggle? Get into God's word.
Going to church is not what God's called you to do. God's called you to be the church and to gather together at certain times every week for encouragement. But you've got to be the church. And I just hate it. We don't even call our building church. You know, when people ask me all the time, why don't you call it that's the church? No, that's not our church. That's the building of the church. We need to help our city and equip the church. This is the place we're trying to be equipped to be sent out. I hope that half of you get so lit up by Jesus that you leave this place and start something somewhere else. See, immediately when I said that, some of you said, I can't do that. You know why? Because that's what the enemy wants you to believe. You can't do that. And by the way, you can't do it. But I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I'm the most unlikely person to start a church you'll ever get. The things that the Lord has allowed me to do in New England, man, listen, I have no paper. Meaning education, I got. I went to got my associate's degree, and I think I got that because they felt sorry for me. So I've been associated with education. I got no paper, not got a lot of experience. But God said, "I want to use you." And the thing that was so dangerous for me is that I could lock the doors. Man, I remember the night Jesus showed up in my room in Pennsylvania and said, Listen, you. I need you. It's funny when you look in the face of God and He tells you to do something, how you keep changing it up. Okay. Listen, I can ask you a question. What are you locked up in? Have you forgot who you are? Forgot what you know? Number two, I want you to understand this. There's a problem with doubt, but number two, there's a power over doubt. A week later, we don't know why it was a week later, but it was a week later. Here's what I have understood in my life. That if I that if I just rest long enough where I'm at, God will respond. Maybe you don't feel it. Maybe you don't think He's near. Maybe you've prayed and you've cried and you've screamed out and you can't hear Him or He can't. you don't think He can hear you. Can I tell you something? Can I remind you today? He is not asleep. He is not in the bottom of the boat wondering what's going on. He knows there's a storm going on, but somehow He needs you to go through it so you can see Him in it. Jesus, wake up! There's a storm! Jesus! Really, guys? Really? Keep still. Peter's disciples, you remember the response? Do you remember the response? Who is this man? Hey, haven't we been hanging out, boys? Am I not the one to say, get on the boat? understand that those winds and waves had names? You ever thought about that? We just think it's a common storm. No, no. Have you noticed that we name storms? Hercules and Irene and whatever else. Maybe your children's name. <laughs> you notice that? We name storms. one I went through two years ago, March 8th, or in, in, in 2018, at the start of 2018, was named um, um, Winter Storm Tim Owens. And I had to go through the storm. It's awful. 
And I doubted whether God had called me to plant the church. I doubted whether God was going to use me. I thought God was done with me. I thought I was going to go ahead and pack up and go back to North Carolina. I thought it was over. I'd done all I knew to do. And you know what's funny is from the day I started this church, I have always waited for the rug to be ripped out from underneath it and it to fail. Like the God of glory would call me to take 13 people, 16 hours away, sell everything and start a church and then let me fail. That's really his plan. But what if that had been his plan and he needed to teach us something in failure? He's still faithful. There's a power over doubt. The worry still respond to our doubt. Still the assurance in our doubt. And here's the thing I want you to know today, Rescue Church. He will rescue you in your Rescue, rescue Church. He will rescue you in your season of doubt. He might make you something like good. I never promised that. What he promised us is when we really got what we deserve, by the way, and this is one of those things you have to have a good good help. Stay together, grace. Mercy. Some of you this morning need Jesus to show up in your room. He set you free. Some of you this morning, you don't even know why you're in your room. You don't have a relationship with Jesus. You've been coming hearing the message of the gospel you never responded to, and you're wondering why your life just seems to be one roller coaster after the next. And here's what I need you to understand this morning Jesus wants you to look at him and respond to him and find life in him today. So, can I ask you a question seriously? I don't know if anyone's ever asked you this question, but I'm going to ask it to you really boldly. Look right at me like Mr. McDonald will be game this morning. Seriously, seriously, you ready for this? It's the most important question anybody in your life will ever ask you. Do you really know Jesus? Because there'll be a lot of people go to hell with the knowledge of God. Sing songs, give money in their bucket, come to a church service, think that's all there is to it. Read the Bible, do it all, but they'll never surrender themselves to the Lordship of Jesus. What does it mean to be the Lordship of Jesus? It's like living in a kingdom where there's a king. If you live in that kingdom that the kingdom run, that the king runs, then you need to understand you're under his authority, under his plan, under his regime. And you can do, you can live like that. Some of you today, listen to me, hear me. Some of you today need to say, my Lord, my God. And you fall on your face and say, I need Jesus. I don't need the refuge church. I don't need Adam Harold. I don't need Tina Harold. I don't need Tanya Harold. I don't need I don't need this. I don't need this guitar player, this music. I don't I need Jesus today. You're deceived if you think that Adam's gonna do anything. I'm so tired of modern-day church because we're trying to gimmick people. And the bottom line, unless you're born again, He's the way, the truth, and the life. And no man could ever come to the Father but by Him. 
It's okay. It's okay. It's okay. He didn't need your key to unlock the door. He caught the death hell of a brother. And by the way, he's already got the key. I was at camp a few years ago, and the kids in my youth group, where I did students for 20 years, and these kids pranked us all day long laughing at home in college at the camp where we were at. And I went to the guy, and I said, listen, would you just give me a master key to all the rooms? And he's like, sure. And I went back to the students, and I said, listen, while you're in chapel today, I've got a master key to all your rooms. And I don't need your key, because I can open the door on my own. Jesus is saying, I don't care if you've got a key. I don't care if you put on a new lock. I just want you to know I've got the master key. Show up in your place. I'll prove myself to you. I'll show you that I'm real. I'll give you symbols and signs, whatever you need. But I want you to understand that the, the proof and the truth is still going to be the same. I am Him. The problem with doubt is the power over doubt and the promise of doubt. The promise is from the Word of God. Jesus said, because you've seen me, you have believed. Right? The happy, the fortunate are those who have not seen found on the wonder of God, listen, it's funny to me when Jesus in verse 30 says this, it really doesn't even fit with the story being told, it needed to be, John needed to put it there, John said Jesus performed many other signs, put it everywhere, he, he, he turns the water into wine in front of him, he accepts some of those sick and early, we don't know, but what we do know is this, that not only did they see the wonder of what happened to him, Thomas was like, there was a lot of wonder that took place in the house, because I want you to understand something, it wasn't just that Thomas needed to be set free, but there were many in the room that needed to be set free. Many of you need to be set free. How do you know? You don't know us, Pastor. You don't have to. I know you're real human people who deal with really stupid things that get us all knotted up. And we don't want to admit it, but we desperately need Jesus. If you know Him, you need Him. And if you don't, you need Him. So why? Promise found in the Word, the promise found in the sense of wonder, but the promise that is for the follower of God, for those who are far from God, completely. John said it this way, that these are the words, the testimony, the promise, the story, here, so you can believe that Jesus is the Messiah and He's the Son of God. You understand that He is King and Sacrifice. Two pieces there, don't miss that. He's the Messiah. He's the way, the truth, and the life. And no one can come to the Father but by Him. And if you needed a sacrifice, which we did, Jesus was the one. He's the Son of God. He's the only way, truth, and life. God did not do or choose any other means but to send His only Son to die. Nobody can get in.
in. I'm good. I can stay here. I'm comfortable in this room because the only person in this room that really, like, it, like this is it. This, I'm the only one. And then you're hearing these testimonies. You know what Pastor Adam's preached. You know what you've heard on the radio. You know what you've heard through songs. You know that, that your room's locked. You know. And all of a sudden, when you didn't expect it, Jesus shows up and says, now what are you going to do with me? So as your heads are bowed and your eyes are closed today, and I've spoke exactly what I feel like the Lord wanted me to share with you. What an honor. Hey, can you bring the lights up just a little bit? Just a little bit. I want to make sure I can see you. That's good. That's good. I want to deal with two people in the room today. First, do you know Jesus? Seriously, that's the only answer. Question. There's only one way to answer that. You can answer it through the means of a lie to say, yeah. But the Bible tells us something. I want you to get this. And I can show you this later. If you need proof of it, that's fine. I don't mind. There are proofs. Listen, I'm here to tell you, you may know him and just be dead in that, but I'm here to tell you, it's impossible. You don't feel conviction. I'm just here to tell you, I'm not trying to get you to doubt your salvation, but I think today we've made it really easy. Have you been transformed by the powerful, powerful touch of the voice of Jesus? Do you, is he your, man, it's funny, man, I'll tell you this right now, the one I talk to on this earth the most is the one I love the most. Her name is Danielle Owens. Because I have been transformed by her love. And then thirdly, there's the, there's the fruit of transformation, there's the fruit of conversation, but the third one is there's the fruit of multiplication. Name one story where Jesus touched somebody, set them free, if they would like to start running their mouth. Well, you don't know, Pastor, I'm not an evangelist. Good, don't be an evangelist, but be a believer who's been touched by Jesus. Listen, he didn't call you to do evangelism, he just called you to command you to tell everyone about him. Matthew 28, 19. Do you know him? I want you, if you're here today, your heads are bowed. I want you to know you've locked yourself in. Jesus now showed up. You didn't realize this when you were a redneck, big, ball-headed guy going to pull up in here now give you this question today. Do you know Jesus? I wonder if on the count of three you'd be bold enough just to slip your hand up and say, Pastor, I've never truly said yes to the Lordship of Jesus. He's in control of everything. But today, I need to start that journey. You don't have to have it all figured out. Consider the cost, man. The Bible tells us, if I want a man to build a house and not first consider the cost, understand that it's not a casual conversation, but it's a life change. Refuge Church, what Wyndham needs is not people who look like they go to church. They need people who are the church. Transform lives, transform lives. I wonder if you're here today on the count of three, you just say one 
God loves you so much that he sent his only son that if you believe in him, you wouldn't perish but have everlasting life too. The Bible says, by faith, if you trust, call on the name of the Lord. You will be saved. Hear God say, help me, Lord, in this heart. And please, today, if you're by faith, right now, I want you to just pop your hands right up until I need you to lift your hands up right here. Keep them up. Keep them up. I need to say true yes to Jesus today. Keep them up so I can see them. Just keep them up. I need to say, I need to say yes to Jesus. Come on, you're serious. Not, not the third time, but the first. Like, really today? Really today I want Jesus to take over this thing. Anybody else? Keep them up. Keep them up. Keep them up. Let's say yes to Jesus. And I don't feel like there's somebody else struggling with right now. Please raise your hand. Hold on. Come on. Don't have a seat. Quit trying to pick. There you go. If you just raise your hand, I want you to put your hand down, and I want you to put your head up and look at me. Just look at me. No one's looking around. Just me and God. Look at me. Shake your head if you're looking at me. So I know this is a little complicated. I want you to realize what the Bible says. And that's not what I say. It's what the Bible says. Here's how we come into salvation in Christ. Number one is this. We've got to realize what caused us to need salvation. And that was sin. In the garden, God created this beautiful communion between him and man and woman. And then sin first entered the garden. And that sin from that point on separated us from God. A relationship we weren't meant to be separated from. But today, we have an opportunity to be restored back in relationship. We've got to first realize we're a sinner, and sin is simply this disobedience to God. Stay with me. Stay with me. Disobedience to God and rebellion to others. That's what sin is. And the bottom line is I never had to persuade anybody to be disobedient to God. That's simple. If that's you, you're looking at me right now. You realize you're a sinner. Specifically, the Bible says we've all sinned. So by the way, all of us have fallen short of God's glory standard. None of us are righteous. We're not one. We sit here and pass around like sinners. The second thing the Bible says is we need forgiveness for sin that can only be come and offered through the shed blood of Jesus. And so today, as you're looking at me, and you're saying, I want to I want to do this. First John 1 9 says, if we confess, just like you all did, if you took your hand out confessing, I'm a sinner. That he is faithful. God is faithful. He won't give you what you deserve. Instead, he'll give you a comfort and he'll forgive you and cleanse you from all your unrighteousness. Today, the, the meter starts at zero. A new story. A new start. The Bible says, for all who call on His name will be saved today. I want you to look at me. Look at me. Where you need Jesus today, right? Where you need Jesus today, right? Where you need Jesus today? Where you need Jesus today? The Bible says, when you call on Him, you will be saved. Not from something. You're saved from hell and hell's great. No, 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 no. You're saved to something. God, if you just bow your head, the Bible says, when we call, I don't assume you know how to pray, and prayer doesn't save you, but Jesus does. I wonder, out of the very depths of your heart, you pray a prayer of something like this, and you all four said you wanted Jesus. You stuck your head in publicly in this place. As I look at you, point it. You just say a prayer simply like this, Dear Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. Tell him right now I've let you down. Maybe you can even think of a few things you know are just struggling in your life that's kept you separated and locked up in your room. Dear Jesus, come into my life and take over. Tell him that right now. Take over. I'm yours. I want to live according to your kingdom. To the best of my ability, I want to live for your glory. Dear Jesus, take over. To the best of my ability, the rest of my days, telling this right now, I'm going to live for you. 
By the way, here, Jesus, here's the key. I don't need it anymore. Give over the authority of the room to Him. I now live under your authority. You need the room to be open or locked. It's up to you from now on. I trust you. In Jesus' name. Hey, heads are bowed, eyes are closed. If you just prayed that with me, would you look back up at me one minute? Just look back up at me. Just pray that prayer with me. Look up at me. Ma'am, welcome to God's family today. Ma'am, welcome, sir. Welcome, welcome to the family of God today. You're a family member today. I'm thankful for you. Hey, listen, I don't know who this would be, Pastor. Somebody would like to probably connect with you before you leave and just get your information, not to freak you out. We have prayer people right here. Maybe you feel comfortable right now. No one's looking around. Just sit down and talk to one of them. Catch me. I just want to make sure. Because here's the thing. Now I, we are responsible for you. I want to teach you how to be a disciple of Jesus. Because here's the thing. I don't want you just to know about him and have relationships. I want you to grow in that. So please, please, please catch me. Pastor, you can maybe help me figure that out. Last thing was, Pastor's coming. Last thing, as your heads are bowed and eyes are closed. But if you're here today and you know Jesus, but you're locked in the room, Pastor, this hit me right square between the heart. I see eyes. You thought I was going to say eyes. Come on, lift it up. I'm, I'm, I got the room locked. Who needs to get the room unlocked? If that's you right now, you raise your hand. Stand up. Just stand up right where you are. I need the room unlocked. I need the room unlocked. I need the room unlocked. How many of you would be bold enough just to come down and start praying with some folks right now? Just step out your seat. Come on down here. And let's just pray for each other. You want freedom, but you want it on your terms. You're going to have to make a little effort here. Come on down. Let us pray for you. Come on, just move out of your seats and come on down. We've got people who are ready to pray for you. Got your pastors, uh, other people who don't mind praying with other believers. Come on down here. Let's just pray. You're part of this church. Come on, why do you want to stand where you are? Come get freedom. You come get freedom.
our lives this week. So we're going we're gonna to end it with a song. And, and if, if they're still praying, pray throughout the entire song. That's why we end with a song.